0: Hello and welcome to the Verdict Podcast. I'm your host Paul Wheelock and I'm delighted to be joined today by the Daily Mirrors Northern Football Correspondent David Maddock. David, are you okay? Hello Paul, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we caught up at the back end of last season, six months further down the line, and we're we're here to talk about Liverpool again and we know that we'll touch on what happened at the back end of last season later on in this conversation, but there's only one place to start if that's alright. You were there Anfield on Sunday for, for Manchester United, a 3 1 victory for Liverpool that took them
1: back to the top of the table. What did you make of it all? Um, well, uh, interesting actually, because it, it, it probably wasn't amongst Liverpool's best performances of the season, and yet, and yet they did dominate the game, dominated Manchester United, thirty-six shots, at um, eleven or twelve on target, uh, deserved to win, absolutely thoroughly deserved winners, and for once, found a way. <laughs> <laughs> to get through Jose Mourinho's parked buses, so obviously for Liverpool it was uh, it was an incredible afternoon.
0: Yeah, and you, you look at the table, you take a motion out of it. There were sixteen points clear United going into the game, and most times you would probably say Liverpool will win a game like that comfortably, certainly at home. But were you surprised
1: by the Gulf in difference between these two, you know, superpowers of English football? Yeah, I was. I was surprised. It's a, it's an interesting question that because. Um, the inference is and it's quite right that there shouldn't be a golf and and there rarely hasn't been Is it, the, the last few years Klopp has not actually beaten Manchester United in the league since he arrived until yesterday but the and the last few years Mourinho has uh, achieved that by basically coming and, and literally parking the bus um, even last season when they won United 1-2-1 won at Old Trafford after uh, they scored their second goal which was in the 30th minute around that time the last hour Manchester United had 27% possession 27% in the game, the 0-0 at Anfield last season 32% possession from Manchester United, so basically he's, Mourinho has come given Liverpool the ball sat behind the ball and said break us down a bit like say um, Stoke would do or or um, Crystal Palace possibly or you know a, a side like that um, and and Liverpool have been unable to do it yesterday um Mourinho did the same but quite clearly he just did not have the players or he did not have the players in the right form and the right organisation to be able to do that it was very interesting because I think the, there was a time in the second half when you've got players like Lovren Klein Van Dijk all having shots from outside the yeah. box and everybody's going crazy and I noticed later watching it on TV again later that um, it, even on TV the commentators were, were moaning about it but it was clear that it was an instruction from the manager at half-time. It's like, we've got this dominance, the, the the pitch is now wet and skiddy, let's just shoot and see what happens. And of course, in the end, even though everybody was moaning about it, that tactic actually worked because the two goals in the second half were both deflected. And if you shoot in the box in crowded penalty areas, you, there's a chance you will, that will happen. So even though... I know everyone slaughtered Klein in particular for his crazy shots from thirty five yards, but actually it worked in the end. And and the the, the 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 basically the inference is that Liverpool knew they were dominant, knew they were getting to the United edge of United's box without any challenge really. You notice United just sat back and let them have the ball. So it was like, Okay, well we'll just shoot and they did. Thirty odd shots and three goals. Probably could have scored more goals, so Yeah, I was surprised at the dominance, but not surprised because United have just been in unbelievably bad form, really, of late. Yeah, I know Jose is quite quick to point to some off the field
0: factors that might be influencing United's form whether he's got the players he wants in in the summer. It doesn't look like the structure's right say compared to a Liverpool. But does it come down to it that at times that you've got a manager there
1: like Klopp who who is getting the best out of his plays and perhaps, you know, his opposite number isn't? Absolutely, yeah. I mean that that that's funny enough it's a yes and no answer. The the the, 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 the absolute bold answer is yeah, Mourinho's right. He's not been given the backing that he wanted in the summer. Um, but he has spent himself 450 million Manchester United squad was 750 million's worth a lot more money spent on it than Liverpool's squad so um, it is down to him as well as a manager getting the best out of his players he's got a, a £90 million midfielder who's just won the World Cup and and was was uh, in a, maybe two or three of the games on the way to the final was was inspirational was a leader uh, was outstanding and yet we didn't even see him at, at Anfield Manchester United in the second half against Liverpool yesterday could not pass the ball forward they literally couldn't pass the ball forward I even ended up tweeting about it that that this is embarrassing watching a Manchester United side not wanting the ball and they didn't they didn't want the ball because they didn't know how to pass it under the pace and pressure of the of the intensity of the of that of that uh I was going to say derby it's not actually a derby but it is a, I suppose it's a northwest derby but it's the, probably the most intense game in English football and United couldn't cope now Pogba, the one thing he's got is ability on the ball, ability to pass the ball, and and confidence and belief that he can do it no matter what the pace of the game. So, why wasn't he on the pitch in the second half when United just gave the well? I was going to say gave the ball away. They surrendered the ball. They didn't just give it away. They they were like, we don't want it. You have it. But you needed somebody in there who could take responsibility. Um, Klopp would have had Pogba playing would have had him confident would have had him uh, taking responsibility would probably have not had him behaving in the way which apparently he has been behaving this season Mourinho is a different character he he essentially yesterday went with a team that, that um, he believed in in terms of effort and commitment to him and the way he wants to play instead of going with the players like say uh, well, the three players on the bench yesterday I'd have brought on would have been Pogba, Martial, and Mata. He eventually, brought uh, Mata and Martial on, but in the seventy-eighth and eightieth minute or something, when the game was lost. So, to me, they should have all been playing. Certainly, playing, you know, on the pitch early in the second half when United completely lost control of the game, and and Mourinho clearly doesn't trust them. So, but what what I'm saying is is that. There's a problems at United well above Mourinho's level but Mourinho is also one of the problems Interesting stuff You talk about passing the ball forward
0: and I know there was an interesting tweet you put out last night about Fabinho you weren't the only one impressed by performance but when you actually break it down like you did it shows how much influence he had on, on that match
1: yeah, and, and and you know, Klopp's been really good with him in that he's he's given him time to get used to the pace of the, the of, of English football, and it is crazy at times the pace. We've seen him play again in in games of, of, of slightly lesser pace, like Red Star Belgrade. Um, uh, we saw him last week at, at Bournemouth, and he played he played pretty well. Um, some of the games he has played, he's looked good, but the pace has not been been there. This was the first real test for him in a game of real pace and I noticed that uh, his passing stats were, 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 were good not great, his, his possession his, his keeping possession was only about 70% in his passing but significantly made 80 passes, I think 28, 29 were forward passes only 2 backwards now that is a remarkable statistic in a game like that because you do not have time to pick a pass in a game like that. As you could see from United's midfield, who literally not one of the midfield could pass the ball forward, literally couldn't pass it forward. Fabinho picked almost 30 passes forward and most found a man with most of them. Now that, through crowded midfields in incredible pace, is a sign of real high quality. And actually, what Liverpool have been missing. Now, c- comparing to Wijnaldum, Wijnaldum made more passes than Fabinho yesterday, and he also, he, he, he I think his his uh, per, per successful pass rate was something like ninety percent. Um, he, he, Fabinho made about eighty. Wijnaldum was 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 uh, ninety odd. But uh, Wijnaldum, I think, only played eighteen forward passes compared to twenty eight from Fabinho. Now, Wynaldon was doing his job in keeping keeping possession, keeping the ball taking over, and then Fabinho was passing the ball forward. We've spoken the, the last time I was on about Liverpool under Klopp and how devastating the forward line is if if you can get the ball to them early, quickly, with quality. Now, I've, I spoke to Klopp at the end of last season and he said that if we get the ball in certain positions... Um, he basically meant on the break, around the halfway line, in certain positions. Uh, he said, "Then you cannot stop us, and we will have a chance." And he said, we, "We may not score because then, you know, like it's up to the striker to put the ball in the net. But we will create a chance." And 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 that's what he meant is with the pace of Mane, the intelligence of Firmino, and obviously the the directness of Salah. Give them the ball on the halfway line on the break when defenders are turning. They will go into the box and they will create chances the key is giving them that ball and in a game like that yesterday we saw constantly Liverpool a couple of passes and it was the same against Napoli Paul as well in midweek, two passes Liverpool were away if you've got someone who can pass the ball forward under pressure, break the lines then then Liverpool can be devastating, they were devastating um, yesterday they were against Napoli and that's because Fabinho has stepped up and now can produce those passes under real pressure. Um and like we've had this debate, haven't we, about whether Liverpool's midfield the last couple of seasons has been a bit too safe in its passing. I would say yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Klopp went out and bought Fabinho because he felt he could be that man. We saw we saw him do it through through the lines of you and United had deep lines of defenders, and they, he passed through it. We also saw him when they sat back, pass into the box, and yeah, the, obviously the goal, the first goal was a brilliant ball. But but he he hit Salah, and I've looked at the stats. So forgive me for being a stutter. No, here. I love them. Love the book. He he hit <laughs> Salah nineteen times yesterday, and Firmino I think seventeen times. So his passing was always. To the front, front guys always to the front guys, and and again I watched the game later and I saw um, Alan Shearer and uh, I don't know whether he nicked nicked my start off Twitter, <laughs> but you, but they you, they were talking about um, about Fabinho and Shearer said the best thing of all as a striker and obviously he's played at the top level is when you have a midfielder who can look up, hit a pass early play early and find you as a front man without too many men on you that is because it gives you confidence to make the run make the run and you could see Salah Firmino were making the runs because they had the confidence Fabinho could hit them so that that is how important he is and now he's done it in a game of of real intensity real pace a, a really big game then I think he can keep, keep doing it Is that underlying kind of Klopp's tactical
0: brilliance because he he, he can almost be a caricature, hasn't he? The big smile, the, the fist bump, you know, the heavy metal football. I don't think it's his making. But are we beginning as the as the months and seasons pass by and certainly what he did last season getting Liverpool to the Champions League final and, and having done what they've done so far this season, actually seeing just what an absolute brilliant football tactician, manager he is?
1: Yeah, I think um, there's no doubt he's, you know, he's a manager who's... Um... Who uh, has got an, an amazing quality as a coach and is is underrated in in that area because you know you just used all the buzzwords there the heavy metal football the passion the fist pumping he has that there's absolutely no doubt it's part of his part of his armory but he's also you can't you can't um, get to the Champions League final with Dortmund you can't beat Bayern Munich to the German title twice you can't be leading Manchester City. At Christmas, when city have produced the fourth best start to a season of all time oh, sorry the fifth best start to a season of all time in English in the top flight of English football, not just the Premier League but in one hundred and twenty years, yeah. City have produced the fifth best start, but Liverpool have produced the better start and and how have they done that not just by playing heavy metal football they 've done it by Uh, uh, beating sides when they're not played well they've done it by beating sides brilliantly with tactical acumen from the coach, they've done it by quality of the players that Klopp has signed so I mean he's underrated, he is definitely underrated as a coach Um, and I think we've seen his evolution this season because so many teams now uh, look at Liverpool and they go do you know what, if we let them get that intensity, that as an example, they had for the first 20 minutes against United yesterday, maybe 25 minutes, um, and then in midweek against Napoli for the, virtually the whole game, to be honest, that was like Liverpool of last season. If you let them do that, they'll destroy you yeah. because they are, they're the best team in, in probably in Europe uh, when, when uh, playing at incredible pace and intensity and passion and just blowing sides away. So most teams are like, well, we're not going to do that. There's <laughs> yeah. no chance yeah. will get battered and they will they'll get battered so you don't do that obviously so what have you got to do you've got to sit back you've got to play deep you've got to play lines you've got to basically take the midfield out of the game or, or, or don't not have the ball at the back and take the midfield out of the game because if you try and pass into midfield Liverpool, as we've seen under Klopp, they've got this brilliant pressing game which is very clever. Much it's not just pressing, it's pressing in pressing in certain areas at the right times with a with a trigger. And again, this is sort of complicated, but I'm sure people wanna know about yeah, this. Definitely. But but because Klopp has devised this system of of, it's not just you press here, you press here, you press here, and you know you've got three guys pressing, and you all do it at the same time all the time. What it is is actually almost an instinctive trigger, where the the, the guys in the team are, are so used to it that they know suddenly when the right moment to press is. There's one signal, and there'll be one signal from one player, often Firmino, um, and and then the rest will see that signal and just go. And actually, funnily enough, that's one of the reasons it's taken so long to get Fabinho and Cater in the side because they don't know the signals. Yeah. They don't know that system. It's not anything you can teach, in a sense, on a blackboard. It's it's instinctive. Liverpool, Liverpool um, obviously have that. They've had it for under clock now for two seasons at least. It works brilliantly. Sides go well. You know what? We just don't want the ball. Look, I, you know, let me just go back onto that. There's a great example Was the game at Spurs When they pressed Eric Dier They channeled him they, they channeled the ball to Dier Liverpool scored a goal from it They let Dyer have the ball But then by, by sort of Kind of half pressing and To make Dier the only option for Spurs Dier got the ball But then suddenly the, the, the signal went out The instant press They made him He had no option They cut off all his angles He could only go back and Salah had read the back pass and then went through and took the ball. That is exactly what I'm talking about. But sides now go, do you know what? We cannot pass the ball into midfield like we like Spurs did with Eric Dyer that day because they will they will then do their trigger, take the ball off as they could score. So you get United did it yesterday. Their midfielders did not pass the ball forward into midfield. They either just hit it long into the corners, and mostly out of play, actually, towards Lukaku or they just went back and, and, and let the keeper hit it long um, so sides are doing that to Liverpool an awful lot and Klopp and this is a really long winded answer and no. I'm sorry for no, this no, not sure. but, so Klopp has obviously seen that knows that he has to evolve so he's evolved too and he's like okay we'll play more patient at the back so Joe Gomez comes in Because Joe Gomez can, on the ball. can play He can step up through the lines You see him quite often he'll, There'll be a press on him And he'll just step through it And suddenly Liverpool have space Because he's gone into the space Where the midfielders thought they were safe And they have to come And then Liverpool's midfielders get space Van Dijk clearly is comfortable on the ball Quite clearly Absolutely comfortable on the ball The, the two full backs Both brilliant on the ball Delivery is amazing um, but also they don't really play as full-backs They play as uh, I think the technical phrase is is lateral players. They mm-hmm. they they don't play as, as left backs who who bomb forward. They actually go into midfield and sometimes play along the front line. So he's evolved all the tactics, um, and and evolved the way Liverpool can win. And now Liverpool can win one nil because obviously they've got Allison in goal. He's given a lot of solidity despite yesterday's mistake. They've got Van Dijk and. And he has been outstanding, but alongside him, Gomez has looked brilliant. Lovren has looked brilliant. Mm-hmm. Lovren starts at the best of all the defenders yeah. this season, you know, better than any bit better than Van Dijk. But also, Joel Matip has looked brilliant <laughs> in recent weeks. Now, what does that tell you? I've, I've got a friend who um, who's a massive Celtic fan, and I mentioned that to him, and he says used to be exactly the same at Celtic every defender came in alongside him looked, looked fantastic <laughs> when he played alongside he said yeah. Van Dyke wasn't playing the same defenders who looked fantastic looked absolutely hopeless yeah. so it, you know, Van Dyke is that influence Liverpool can win 1-0 play different tactics he plays uh, Salah as a centre forward a lot this season started off like that against United played two up top yesterday against United United was so confused mm-hmm. by that tactical switch By they were like what's going on but Liverpool have played it before. Mourinho was convinced he was going to just play his usual three. Yep. Didn't play two up the t- up top, and that was again the intelligence of Klopp as a coach. So, it, it, yeah, he's he is outstanding and better than people
0: think. I suppose it goes hand in hand. If you've got an outstanding coach, you also need to spend money. And you mentioned Van Dyke there, seventy-five million a year ago. Followed that up in the summer with Allison, Favino, uh Kaita We'll come hmm. to him in a little bit is that a, a, a bit of a change not in policy from Klopp because he always had this reputation before Liverpool and maybe in the early days of his Liverpool reign where he'd get players for a bargain price which he still does with people like Robinson Shaqiri and then develop them but do you think something's maybe I don't know is it with FFG is it with the off the field recruitment team or Klopp where, whereby with Liverpool we, we also
1: must buy the best as well develop these players I think it's I think it, it, it's a bit of both now Um let, let me answer this question uh, by using the example of Mo Salah. Klopp's first choice wasn't Salah. I think it was Brandts, the German, because at the time they were looking for a wide mm-hmm. uh, front, 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 front line player, but a wide player. And Brandt in many ways, did fit that bill in that what Klopp was actually looking for. Because Firmino was his centre forward and he wanted someone with a bit bit, bit of pace, a bit of strength, could play right side, cut inside, have a decent left foot, uh, score a goal, but, you know, stretch sides. Brantz was his first choice. Liverpool scouting department pushed Salah, but were, were happy to, to go for, they, they mentioned Salah, even you know when Klopp was saying Brantz, they were saying, look at Salah too. Klopp is a manager, it's his choice. He wanted Brantz, Liverpool went for Brants, didn't get him. Couldn't get him. Couldn't get him. Um, so then they went. Okay, well, well, let's have another look at this Salah guy. Klopp had a look at him. Went all right. Had some doubts about him because yeah. he wasn't the best of goal scorers. Believe it no, or not, no. he was quick as hell. He was like he 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 was brilliant at breaking lines. But he did, and he scored goals. He scored a lot of goals at Roma. But he was not the best finisher. Now when he came. Um, that's how he played in the first. People forget, but he played that way in the first two months at, at, at Liverpool. Looked great, but didn't, but missed a lot of chances. <laughs> Created a lot of chances with his pace. Looked great, but missed a lot. And I, I had a de- debate with the sports news editor of uh, of the Daily Mirror, and uh, and it, he was saying that is Salah is a really good player, but Jesus, he missed chances. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but if he took took all the chances you want, he'd be scoring like. 40 or 50 goals yeah. a season what, what do you, you know, then he'd be worth he'd be worth 300 million not yeah. 30 million and of course he then did go on and yeah. score 40, and nearly he's probably worth that now. and he probably is worth 300 <laughs> million So the, and that is my point exactly is that Klopp took this player whose fee was relatively high but not massive because there was a clear weakness in his game and he developed him He's developed him unbelievably over the course not immediately, but over the course of a season. He's developed him to the extent that he is now everything that he he wasn't, but potentially could have been, and he now is, and he's proved it again this season. He's not, you know, he's not a one season wonder. He's a goal scorer, he's a he can play wide, he can play centre forward, he will he can finish. He's sometimes his finish is unbelievable now. He will get I mean, I'm mean, i going to stick my neck on the line here I reckon he'll get 30 goals this season I'm, I'm convinced he'll get close to 30 which following a 40 odd goal season is just incredible yeah. but that is the level he is and he is, he's a 200, 300 million pound player so Klopp Klopp, Liverpool have identified Van Dyke. Um, clearly they wanted a top class centre half and they got one and they paid top class money Alisson, top class keeper paid top class money um, so they'll do it, but they still buy players like Salah, Mane, Firmino, who were not, you know. Um, Josie Mourinho said yesterday, "Ah, oh, um, Liverpool have got these players that that were that they're so physical, they're so strong and quick, but they're also technically so good. They're big guys and like Firmino, big guys, and so uh, so strong, so quick, but they're technically great. Robertson." Uh, Cater and he named them all, (laughs) and it's like, Jose, you could have signed them yourself. You've spent more on Fred than Liverpool spent on Fabino. He was there, he was playing for Monaco, a big side. Liverpool saw the quality in his passing from midfield. They saw also, and this is a massive point, by the way, they saw his height in in winning duels. And I saw him beating beating Lukaku several times yesterday in front of the defence, which means Van Dijk doesn't have to come out and head the ball. He can sit there and it's so much more comfortable for Van Dijk. Fabinho could have signed for Manchester United. He, He was cheaper than Fred. So it's about scouting as well. It's about spotting the potential... Um, Manchester United could have signed Andy Robertson, and uh, if they'd have signed him, he'd have had six months not playing, just like he did at Liverpool, and then he'd have gone. But at Liverpool, Klopp has him for six months, develops him, develops him, and he wasn't happy when Robertson arrived because he wasn't anywhere near the sort of the the tactical and technical standard that he wanted at that time, and that's why he didn't play. But he developed him, he developed him. He saw promise in him, he came in for a very early game, I think it was against Palace in early in his uh, early last season, played really well and then we never saw him and everyone's going, he was man of the match, we've yeah. not seen him where is he? He was developing because Klopp wanted him to fit his system he learnt the system, took a long time, now is he the best left back in Europe? Very possibly absolutely up there, there's no question, so these players are there but they also need developing and Klopp so Klopp is will spend big money or spend medium money and small money and he'll develop them all and that's you know it's not just at Liverpool that's his genius as a coach he did it at Mainz he did it at Dortmund and and that to me that's you know quite possibly his, his biggest biggest quality
0: you mentioned Mainz and Dortmund there Spent seven years at both clubs, yes. three and a half years into his Liverpool reign. We don't know what the future holds. But yeah. that kind of structure you were talking about there, off the field and on the field, everything's in place for if Liverpool win the league or not this season to win trophies and to have success. Do you think we might be seeing something like a dynasty here? Do you think he
1: could be at Liverpool for longer than seven years? No, it's weird you ask this question because I was I, I, like, seriously thinking exactly about that myself this morning. Like, you know, totally out like. I don't even know why but I was thinking Klopp is likely to be at Liverpool for seven years because you know his previous two jobs is seven years and I don't think it's a coincidence that his contract that he signed he, he signed a new contract and it was to take him to his to seven years at Liverpool I suspect I, I mean I, I was actually going to ask him and I probably will in the next few weeks what what um, what it would take for him to go beyond seven years at a club Presumably it's winning something You know, winning the league Liverpool would may possibly persuade him But uh, If he And The chances are For me He'll leave I think he wouldn't mind managing Germany one day mm-hmm. You know I think, you know Possibly in In 20 Is it twenty twenty three when it's up, When his contract's up Or 20 Yeah 22, 23 um, You know Maybe that would be the right time to manage Germany But um, And then I was thinking Well what happens then And um, do Liverpool just go and get another manager you know top level like he was or do they actually think well we've got a structure in place with Michael Edwards with, with um, the, the scouting staff, the, the youth development which is producing some real quality players now with with the ability to buy the odd top class player at big big money um, do, do, do they say well maybe we look internally, Pep Linders is, who's very highly rated he's a great coach and has actually been a big influence this season you know he's he's done a, a very very good job um uh, maybe you know he could he he could actually be promoted I, I i can see it happening and obviously that is the liverpool way they did they've done that in the past and it and it has worked um klopp is actually a bit of a shankly figure he really yeah, is you know yeah, I no mean? question to me he is like modern Shankly and I, and I hesitate to say that Because Bill Shankly was the greatest figure In the history of Liverpool Football Club But, but Klopp is a modern type Shankly um, And actually Pep Linders might just be a, 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 a Bob Paisley In the sense that he's a quiet man Who was not a uh, He's not Was not a particularly Like massively celebrated figure When like P- As Paisley wasn't When Shankly was Um was was winning stuff And, and creating this Liverpool, Great Liverpool side But when he took over It turns out that Paisley was Tactically better Even more astute Than Shankley and, and you know Obviously Liverpool's Most successful manager So I'm not Now I'm not saying That you know Klopp hasn't won anything yet Never mind <clears throat> Linders But you know there, there, there's some similarities there, and you know I don't, I don't want people saying you're nuts what you're talking about. I'm I'm not comparing it, no. but I'm just saying, you know, if Klopp can win something with Liverpool and every player is signed on, you know, every important player is now signed on for four or five years, so that will go beyond Klopp, and maybe maybe there is a there is a potential to actually say okay, we'll look within. You know, it could be by then that somebody else comes on stuff like maybe a, I don't know a Steven Gerrard. Yeah. You know, comes back. But it could be that there's somebody within the staff already, like 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 Pep Linders. So yeah, it's a good question, and uh, and I was thinking about it myself today. Time will tell.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we pressed uh, record on this conversation, we were checking Wikipedia. <laughs> Who won the league around the late eighties and the uh, early nineties? Our memories weren't serving as well as they should have been. But you—you've been covering Liverpool since yeah. the very early nineties. Doug Leach's last season, and the club before obviously came back later on. Do you think this is the the best equipped squad Liverpool have had since then? You know, to 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 win the league.
1: Yeah, it's funny because what I, I was saying I I was I, I, I covered them in that that season when. Dalglish resigned and, and then we were struggling to remember who actually <laughs> I remembered that Liverpool when he resigned were top but couldn't remember who won the league and obviously it was Arsenal but get, I, was, I was getting slightly confused with the Arsenal winning at Anfield which was in 89 and, and, but the reality is that that season now you may say I'm a jinx but that season I covered Liverpool and they've not won the league since it's um, your fault <laughs> it is my fault uh, this this in comparison, this compares. Um, this is the closest to that side that Dalgliesh had in in nineteen ninety that won the league. This this squad is is the without doubt the best since then. Um, Liverpool have had a couple of good squads, not that many since since then. I love Roy Evans's team. Roy Evans's team, and in in many ways, Roy Evans' team that was so exciting and should have won the league should have won the league 94, 95, yeah, 96 yeah, 96, 97 <clears throat> they were outstanding had some immense players Robbie Fowler at his absolute peak Steve McManaman at his absolute peak some, John Barnes was still a very influential player they they were a very, very good side um, they had a couple of weaknesses um, at the back it, the, the sometimes and I, I love David James, one of the best keepers I've seen, actually. But he, there were times when he was exposed by his centre halves, and between them, that that lack of confidence and belief sadly undermined Liverpool's title push. But they should have won the league. Um, the, the the Benitez side of 2009 was a very good team. A bit pragmatic but, but some very good players played in an unbelievable way and uh, Torres and Gerrard were, were, were just just a, a wonderful uh, combination of, like a front two if you like they were brilliant uh, and they had Alonso who I love as a player always have so they were, that was a, gre- a, a great squad and obviously um, Brendan Rodgers squad 2014 they were so exciting I mean, people forget, I remember, and it, it reminded me, I, I was reminded of this yesterday, watching United, the way they played at Liverpool. But I remember that game when Liverpool played Arsenal um, in 2014 and they were 4-0 up after 20 minutes, and it mm-hmm. should have been 8. Yeah. And Arsenal that day, and I'll never forget this, Arsenal were actually too scared to go forward into the Liverpool half because they knew every single time they did, Liverpool stole the ball Mm -hmm. broke on them and scored so they actually stopped going forward Arsenal even though they were losing (laughs) 4-0 it's like and and United did that yesterday United stopped going forward because every time they tried to pass the ball they were just losing it so they that was a great side Suarez wonderful that season wonderful Uh, Raheem Sterling was wonderful that season people forget that and Sturridge had his best ever season as a professional footballer so they they were great side lacked a centre half lacked a keeper just like, possibly, well, I'm saying I'm not criticising David James. I'm just saying the chemistry between yeah. him and his defence. Mm-hmm. So it's a slight difference. But just like Roy Evans's team should have won the league, um, came very close to winning the league. This side's better. This this squad is better. They've, they've got a they've got everything. They've got. I always I've always felt for a long time that Liverpool lacked a left sided defender. Um, I can't remember. I like Stig Bjornaby, but he wasn't. He was. He wasn't quite, you know, up there. So since Steve Nicol, really, Liverpool have not, for me, and I know John Arne will 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 <laughs> complain, but for me, since Steve Nic- Nicol, Liverpool have not had, a, 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 and I say left-sided defender because I'm not. I'm not calling him a left back, but Andy Robertson is, without question, the best since Nicol, and in some ways, you know, better than Nicol in in this in his. His 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 delivery around the the you know ability to beat a player and deliver from from the left wing, if mm-hmm. you like. Um, although obviously love Steve Nicol and one of the greatest Liverpool players of all time. So it, this is every everything about this Liverpool team. They've got a keeper now, just like they had in 1990. They've got a centre half like they had in 1990. They've got two centre halves. Hansen and Larsson were probably the best two ever, and I still don't think Van Dijk is yet can be compared to them but he's getting close Um, they've got midfielders now and they've got passion in midfield they've got Henderson who I still rate massively Milner he's a wonderful player Um, and obviously Fabinho now he's looking like he can offer an extra dimension Um, Alexander-Arnold could become Liverpool's greatest right-sided player Could be, not yet, but could be. And the front three, absolutely top class. So, um, the team is fantastic, but, and you've alluded to this, and no doubt this is what we're going to talk about as well, they've now got a squad. So, like, Shaqiri yesterday, look at him, came on, so much confidence, belief, he's playing the Man United, it's a massive game and he's not started. He comes on and he's like, this is my stage, this is my... This is my game. This is my time. And he and he and he, he he saw him puff out his chest, and he was involved from the very first minute when he came on. And he made things happen. He obviously scored the goals, but he made things happen. He started that move that that the, the second goal he scored that that he he finished. Um, Sturridge has come on and and scored goals. Jordan Henderson has not he's a captain but he's not been playing every game he didn't start against Manchester United yesterday but when he plays as he did against Napoli he makes the game his own he's not fans fans have criticised him so much but he's not he's not that player that the fans say he is he's better he's, he's, he was brilliant for England at the World Cup he was brilliant against Napoli and Dajan Lovren who it drives me nuts how much criticism <laughs> he gets because yeah, he makes mistakes. So does Alisson, but nobody's nobody's yeah, no, one picks on no that one's as much. picking up on that. Dejan Lovren, his defensive stats are the best of any Liverpool defender this season. He played in a World Cup final, and he played alongside and I can't pronounce his name, so you're going to have to forgive me. But that guy with the ponytail, Vida, is it Vida? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Can't say his first yeah, name. Yeah, he <laughs> he is hopeless. He's hopeless. The, you can tell he's hopeless because he wasn't bought by a Premier League side after the World Cup, and they always go out and sign. High profile players at the World Cup He's hopeless and yet they got to the World Cup final That tells you The guy alongside him must be special And the guy alongside him was Lovren Lov- Lovren um, And uh, let me just make this point as well This is a great place to make this point Is Fans moan about Lovren Criticise, moan, moan, moan He shouldn't be playing, he shouldn't be playing But at the moment, Gomez is out Matip is out you have to play Lovren. So if if the fans have had their way and they're like, let's let's get rid of let's 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 put him in the wilderness, let's criticise him, let's kill his confidence. Now you'd be bringing a player in with no confidence who's not played, and he'd be he'd be exposed. He'd be getting you know he'd be he, he would be un, under real pressure and would struggle. Instead, Klopp keeps playing him. Klopp keeps resting Gomez at the right times. Brings Lovren in. Lovren retains his confidence. His starts are still amazing so he comes in against united he was absolutely immense against manchester united he bossed it he bossed he bossed Lukaku. he was he was just walking around he he was fantastic and and that shows again the management of Jurgen Klopp he won't destroy henderson he won't destroy lovren he keeps pulling up storage he keeps he's even kept lalana involved keeps putting him in and people saying why are you putting him in because you need him because you need all these players because it's not an 11-man game it's it's a squad game and Liverpool's squad is as, it's as strong as any squad I've ever seen because you go back to 1990 and the squads weren't that big then 1990 I think they only had 16 players who played regularly um, so Liverpool's squad now is, is fabulous and, and oh Klein, look at Klein uh, you know, just the thought strikes me he's not played for a year came in Brilliant job yesterday. Did his job. United targeted him. No problem. He he, he didn't will. He he played well, and Liverpool have got you know real depth. And it it is heartening to see. Probably leads me on to one of my final questions.
0: We're only two weeks away from January, so it'd be remiss of me if I didn't ask you this. Do you think, even despite the fact that they do have their strongest squad in in near on thirty years, will Klopp may look to make any additions in in the January transfer window?
1: Well, I actually spoke to him about this um, before the game on uh, Sunday. So, and he said, he said uh, at the moment no, but get one more injury, yes. So, I I think you know if if something were to happen to Van Dyke, it's and it's you know he will have to play every game between now and probably maybe the first or second week in certainly for for second week in January. Um, Same with Lovren, he's going to have to play although he can play Fabino at centre-half by the way but but, um, those two are going to have to play most of the games over Christmas it's an intense period an injury then and they'll have to go out and get somebody definitely because I don't see I see Gomez coming back earlier than people say I think he could be back maybe even by the end of the first week of January certainly mid-January he'll be back Um, uh, Matip will be back before the end of January Uh, Klein is back which is great Alexander-Arnold probably won't play at Wolves but I imagine he'll be available for the Christmas games so you've not got a problem there because um, uh, James Milner would have played he was ready to play he was injured but he was ready to play against United Klopp said no which means he will probably be available for Wolves Mm -hmm. which is great so they've they've not got that many injury problems. I also see oxlade Chamberlain being back you know well before the end of the season. That'd be a great bush I, I, I see him being i mean I, I'm not saying he's going to be match fit because it's going to take him a month to get match fit, but mm-hmm. I can see him being back in full training properly by the end of January. Wow. I can see that happening. Um, uh, which means he could well play before the end of the season although you know you need them at 100% because it's going to be city and liverpool for the title and, and you need everyone at 100%. So, you know, it's one thing being back full training, it's another but being out for a year and as has found mm-hmm. and 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 being in a, in a rhythm which allows you to play at this this top level. But so the the answer is um no. I don't I can't see it. And I I'll give you another reason why because obviously the, the the most obvious is center half. Liverpool have got Four top-class centre halves. Mattip shown the last few weeks, and even the fans are going, "Oh, Joel Mattip, he's all right, he's, he's all right, <laughs> he's not a bad player." The way he comes out and passes the ball, he's amazing. Yeah. He's he's fantastic at passing the ball out of defence, and he's shown that the last few weeks. So you've got four top-class centre halves. You've also got a couple of kids. Nat Phillips is is a really really good player. Now, if he goes and signs a fifth centre half, then. There's no, the, 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 there's no route, even in the League Cup, even in the you know the, maybe a dead rubber European game, which they didn't have this year, but often they do. There's no route to develop a kid like that, and they and Klopp wants to give these these kids a chance. There's, a, there's the left back um, uh, who's a really top kid as well. Um, uh, the right back is uh, who, who was on the bench, wasn't he, on, on yesterday? The, 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 you need to create a little bit of space for these these kids because Liverpool now believe me i 've got two or three um who are who are very very good, very good young players who have a chance but if you're every time you get an injury, you just go out and sign another international you there 's no you, you, you choke the root the route through so it's a balancing act I remember when Klopp first came in actually and he was like um, he had Klein um, and we asked him are you going to go and sign another right back as, as cover and he said it's a real dilemma because he's got this kid Alexander-Arnold yeah. and he said but he's physically not ready yet but at the same time if I go out and buy another one when he is ready in six months time I'm I'm." St- st- Strangling his development. So what do we do? And as it happened, Klein didn't get injured in that first period, and Alexander Arnold was able to play a couple of games, and then and then he never did go out and sign another right back. Although obviously Milner pr- presented an option there, and and then Joe Gomez could also play there. But that was brave of Clock because the Mourinho hundred percent would have gone out and signed a a, a, a right back. Absolutely no doubt. Clock waited, was prepared to to you know gamble and 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 it worked. So and I think he'll do the same unless there's a you know a big injury in which case, he, I think he has to, then go and, and and get some cover.
0: We're recording this podcast on Monday afternoon, day after the United game, and just before we started, the Champions League draw was made. Bayern Munich away for Liverpool in the the last sixteen. Get your thoughts on that. Um away and at home obviously it's the uh, the, the home legs first is it the indeed that's and... right yeah
1: I, I i think um uh one of the better draws liverpool could have got it was a tough draw for liverpool being in that in that second pot and um they yeah bayern munich are not playing well this season they've got problems problems with the manager they 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 they're, they're an aging team as well um I would. I think Klopp would be very happy with that draw. He knows Bayern Munich. He knows the way they play. He knows how to beat them. He knows they're struggling this year. I. I. I think of all the German sides, it's England against Germany, isn't it? This draw <laughs> of all the Eng, of all the German sides that actually Bayern, believe it or not, the one you'd want. You definitely wouldn't want. He wouldn't want Dortmund at this stage because they're flying and and you know that's a big that's a real game. This uh, I could see. I can see Liverpool, um, definitely beating Bayern but you can hear the hesitancy in my voice because it's still Bayern Munich mm-hmm. they still know how to win they've got players they got they got to the semi last season didn't they they've got players who know you know it's like Real Madrid Real Madrid would I mean they're a terrible side this season they weren't a great side last season Liverpool battered them in the final and yet through a bit of nastiness from Ramos a little bit of naus a little bit of gamesmanship a little bit of just knowing how to manage games Liverpool blew them apart and yet somehow Real Madrid stayed in the game at 0-0 somehow I don't know how and then when Salah went off you know like Madrid hadn't lost it already you know if Salah had gone off with Liverpool 3-0 up there was no and and they had chances you know they had moments and chances where they could have been 2 or 3 up then Madrid are, are out of the game, whereas Madrid's now kept them in it and Bayern do have that. So it's never easy when you're a still relatively inexperienced side uh, playing against a side with real experience. But I would hope Liverpool are still fresh enough to to do one of those Napoli-style blitzing of Bayern and I don't think Bayern are a team who will come and say do a United and just say we're just going to not have the ball and go long and I think they'll try and play which like Napoli did and and, and um, it could it, it's, it's a big game it's a tough game but I think it's a good draw for Liverpool Just a final one do you think Liverpool I'm sure they won't but do you think they should
0: prioritise the league this year do you think City may try and prioritise the Champions League the deeper the both clubs go into it or do you think both are just so well equipped to, to handle the challenge of both
1: no I, I, I think you can't do that you you can't do that because you know what happens if Liverpool for instance do hit, hit a bad spell which they've done every year around January time so far if they hit a bad spell in the league you know the, 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 the way City are going you, you only need to lose a couple of games and the title race is virtually over you know i mean to be fair the way liverpool are going city lose a couple of games it's over it's virtually over so so you you've got to you know you can't you you, you can't prioritise you um, and you wouldn't want to because you could see what it meant when they beat Napoli. Look at look at the players at the end. Yeah. Look at Van Dijk's reaction when Alisson made that save. That is not a team who are thinking, "Oh well, it doesn't matter if we go going <laughs> or out." The, 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 you, you you can't prioritise, um, and and both City and Liverpool do have the squad to to cope with both now. I think it is very, very, very difficult these days to win both. But um but I could I, I, I would I would imagine that there's no one in the Liverpool squad who doesn't want to go far in both competitions and I and, and I can see Liverpool, you know, beaten by Munich, definitely. I can see Liverpool Absolutely toe to toe with Manchester City, and I'm surprised you've not asked me this question about will Liverpool beat City to the title. And um, if you'd have asked me a week ago, even two weeks ago, I'd have said no. I'd have said I think Liverpool have got the best team in 20 years or more, but but um, sorry, in 30 years probably, but but um, the best squad, mm-hmm. but. <sighs> I still still think, well, at the time, uh, maybe even two weeks ago, I was thinking City just, City have exactly the same depth and the same quality, but they also have that little bit more knowledge because they've won it a few times recently. And also the knowledge of handling both the Champions League and a a Premier League um, uh, double. Yeah. And Liverpool don't have that because you've noticed in Europe when they've done well, they've not been in the league. And in the league when they've done well, they've not been in Europe, you know, under clock. But what's changed for me is that City's shown some weakness. Their squad suddenly, I mean, they got a few injuries and their squad was like, the, the team against Chelsea, you're like, hmm, they weren't, mm-hmm. they were not as dominant. Even against Everton, Everton should, should have taken something from that game. City played well for an hour but Everton kept in it and they had big chances big chances and and Everton should have got something and I'm seeing a few games now where City are looking human mm-hmm. um and Liverpool are looking like dominant they're 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 looking like they Going into games now Like Bournemouth Like Napoli Like Manchester United Where they're expecting to win Believing they win And the opposition are thinking They're going to win And that's Just It's a slight turnaround In the, the The balance And Now I'm not saying Liverpool are going to win it But what I'm saying is If you'd have asked me Two weeks ago I'd have still said City definitely mm-hmm. Now I'm saying This is going to be This is going to go all the way, and if and Liverpool have a real chance now. And I, funny enough, I spoke to Robbie Fowler about, about this, and he said exactly, exactly the same. I'm not copying it, yeah. I, I, but he said he believes that he's seen a tiny bit of a, a weakness in City and a belief in Liverpool that, that makes him believe that um, Liverpool have a be- better chance. Than maybe anybody would have thought a month ago, or even you know three weeks ago, and and he thinks it's going to be you know an amazing, fascinating race, and and Liverpool could can do it. Can't wait for January the 3rd, then. <laughs> yes, yes. No, yeah. no, you could have like a title decider yeah. on a first game of the yeah, new year. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, my <laughs> hope is that it isn't a title decider. This mm-hmm. is the thing. My, my hope is Liverpool, and they've done it, they keep doing it, they keep clinging in, they're still ahead. And I think if Liverpool can get through Christmas and New Year um, close to City, you know, after, this, after they play City, if they're only maybe three, four points behind City or three, four points ahead of City, which you you've got to say that looks looks very likely now. Then I think it's going to get that it will just go all the way. And and you know so Liverpool losing at the Etihad wouldn't be a disaster. Although do you know what? I mean Liverpool have done really well at the Etihad last season. Apart when they had ten men, they've done really well. They battered. Uh, I think in Guardiola's first season, didn't they? They battered them there. Um, and so and actually City are kind of made as we've seen. In the Champions League last year, City and made for Liverpool because so, they will play. Yeah, no although worries. actually they didn't play at Anfield, did they? In the in the um, in, in the game at Anfield, they did not play. They actually came for once and and didn't didn't really come all out. So okay. they're at home they've got to play, and so yeah, that is going to be an amazing game. And but hopefully not a title decider. So. David, thank you very much
0: for your time. We're really fascinated listening to you today. I'm sure our listeners will feel the same. Thanks again, mate.
1: Yeah, no, it's been brilliant. I've enjoyed enjoy talking about it. It's a great time, actually, to be talking about Liverpool. I've had you know 30 years <laughs> of <laughs> not-so-good times. And now it's, it's wonderful to see what's happening there. Thanks again, mate. Love to catch up with you later in the season as well. Yep, yeah, cheers. Yep, yeah, brilliant. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.